Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we always do our best to let you know that they're coming. This episode, we are reviewing two films about important periods of Black history with a serious award buzz, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah and One Night in Miami. As always, a plea to rate and review us on the podcast, Apple Podcast app, Podchaser, Podbean, Stitcher, or CastBox, and wherever other such made-up names uh, reside, because I don't know what any of those are, but I'm sure you do. Uh, rate and review us. It'd be nice. Um, I feel like the plea to rate and review is like Gonzo's thing where, you know, it's how are we going to fuck it up this day? You know? <laughs> it's so true. It is our, like green smoke or like chickens yes. um, flocking around the trumpets. Um, <laughs> like, Caster, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> like we fuck it up and also people don't, don't do it. So right, it's, exactly. kind of it's, it's, it's spot on. Um, all right. How are you doing Fanny? I'm doing okay. Um, my brain is very full of new job information. And so I'm just very tired a lot of the time, but it's good. New job is good, right? New job is great. I really, really like it. It uh, tickles all my weird little nerd things that make me happy. It's research. It's little boxes that all have to be put in the same places. It's meticulous things. It's super precision. Yeah. Nice. I really like it. I made a form today. <laughs> you were in the right job. I love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm uh, just, you know, just hanging in there. Just. Uh, week by week, day by day, but I, you know, the weather is getting a little nicer and cases yes, uh, are down, and you know, my parents are vaccinated and Yay. friends are vaccinated, and it's like things are feeling, uh, I, I feel a glimmer of hope. I don't want to get like too sucked in by any of that, but I'm gonna <laughs> also, uh, I'll take it where I can get it. So that's that's how I'm doing. Fair um, enough. Should we talk about our main uh, two movies this week? We should do that. All right. Uh, as we mentioned up top, we are talking about Judas and the Black Messiah and One Night in, One Night in Miami. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, I think it's available. I didn't write this down. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Am I getting that right? Yep. Switch no. that. All right. <laughs> this one's uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah is on HBO Max and One Night in Miami is on Prime. You got, you always have this. I never know what I'm talking about. Right now, we are talking about Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, this yes. is uh, Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya uh, starring in a true story about a sort of low-level Chicago thief who is recruited by the FBI to infiltrate the Black Panthers um, and ends up ultimately complicit in the assassination of the Black Panther leader, Fred Hampton, in the late 60s. Uh, it's the highest-profile film yet from Shaka King, who most recently directed episodes of Shrill, a show that we both, uh, you know, I think admired and talked about on this podcast. Uh, what did you think of Judas and the Black Messiah? I really like Dominic Fishback. <laughs> Who's that again? Remind me. She's the, she was in the deuce. She plays, uh, 
uh, Fred Hampton's wife. And, oh, and, so good. Uh, yes, totally. she is just, I love her in everything that she's in. She was also in The Hate You Give, and um, she just, Dominique, Dominique, I'm not sure which, but uh, anyway, she's just always so good and so fun to watch. And she made what was otherwise, I think, somewhat convoluted and yet oddly boring film really fun to watch her parts um the acting in this was great i'm i'm you know everybody was really really good but somehow it just felt overpacked what did you think so just a note for both these movies i think we're just gonna go full spoilers because these are sort of real life events um yeah so we feel less weird about spoiling spoiling them but spoiling them is the word right um yeah, I kind of had the same reaction. I, you know, I, I watched a bunch of Black Panther stuff uh, last year. Like, there was a, an amazing documentary. Uh, I think there's one about the Black Panthers, specifically one about Friend Hampton. It is a crazy story, especially considering, I think, how they've been framed in so many ways. Like, I think in pop culture imagination, it's like, oh, they were dangerous, but, you know, on their, maybe on the right side of history and... Clearly, they were mostly on the right side of history, and that's yeah. often just dangerous to people that are not on the right side of history. So right. I uh, I liked the way that this movie was clearly just grounded in that viewpoint. I feel like we have not seen a lot of that. I mean, I feel like we should have way more movies about all of this era and all of the various characters and players in this. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and I think uh, Keith Stanfield really... I was reading the other day that he like went a little crazy making this movie. Like it was really hard for him to kind of come back from making because he plays the ultimate Judas. Like he is really betraying kind of uh, things that, um, you know, he really believed in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as an actor and here's where I think the movie maybe failed for me a little bit is you don't get a sense of enough of his character of like the real guy. Uh, I forget his name, but history doesn't care about him. So that's fine. But it's like, you don't ultimately, he didn't care about him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh. Yeah. You don't really get a sense of like, um, who this guy was and what made him tick. I mean, you like his, I feel like Stanfield's performance really brings out the conflicted feeling of, okay, I'm a little bit, intrigued by all of this and i understand why it would help me as somebody who's basically resorting to shitty crimes or whatever and shaking down gangs in a you know with a fake fbi badge but it's sort of like i don't know the transition i i feel like he was a little let down by the screenplay of like who is this guy right and 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 like that's an interesting story because I, and I understand why Shaka King sort of latched onto it as sort of like the ultimate sort of Judas sort of story, but I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'd, I'd almost rather have seen more about Fred Hampton, which I don't think has been really celebrated in. No, man. Stuff. I mean, so. I knew who Fred Hampton was. I mean, look, we grew up in Oakland. Black Panther lore is. You know, it's taught, you know, it's like one of the few places where, you know, we had Malcolm X elementary school. We were taught the history of, you know, true black history of, of, 
true leaders, even though the rest of the United States wouldn't necessarily call them that. I mean, um, I don't know so, if I was, but... Well, I, well, I <laughs> was. Maybe were. my teachers weren't <laughs> right. supposed to be doing it, but, right. but I was taught a lot of Black history, you know, a lot of Black Panther history, and in school, strangely. Um, That's not strange. Which I, I'm amazing. glad for, yeah. but um, anyway, so I knew a bit about Fred Hampton, but I mostly I knew that he had died super, super young, that he never got to meet his son, and that he was pretty much the founder of the Rainbow Coalition, which, uh, you know, was, we were taught that probably at the time because Jesse Jackson was was running under the Rainbow Coalition for president. And, um, and but I didn't, I'd never had a feel for, for who he was. You know, we we were given very much a feel of, you know, in, in school, you're given Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. And right. Martin Luther King is, they're generally, they generally teach you, he was the good, peaceful one who taught us how to do things the right way. And Malcolm X said, you know, shoot everybody. And he was a little more controversial. And maybe, you know, you know you're kind of taught that they're two sides and one side isn't as good as the other, which I don't agree with. Obviously, but, yeah. Um, but that's very much how they were presented to me. And I remember, uh, you know, it took me a long time to kind of shake that as a, as a young adult to not just to do my own investigation and, and figure out how I felt about Malcolm X, which is very different than what I feel like I was taught to think about him, you know? Totally. And more um, on that for our next movie too. Like that's Yeah, exactly. Um, but I didn't, I thought that the Fred Hampton speeches, which I assume are taken from, you know, history, were wonderful. And I would have just kind of liked to see, I mean, I understand that the story of how he betrayed is, was betrayed is a big part of his story. But I, I almost would have just liked to see more of, of his story story alone without it having to be this you know I, I we know the fbi sucks you know what i mean we know right. j edgar hoover hoover was a terrible racist and yes everybody needs to know that but you know the white guy in ohio isn't you know sorry ohio no offense but they're not watching this movie anyway so <laughs> it was would have been more interesting to me, I think, just to have it be about the tragedy of losing Fred Hampton than having to try to set up this multi-layered betrayal story. You know what I mean? And it's interesting, like, you know, if you are going to, like, literally in the title, posit these two characters against each other and sort of the expectations of what those roles mean, because that's very... Right. The title tells a lot, then you need to kind of like really develop that relationship more and i i just don't think the movie did um right so yeah yeah i did you didn't see them get super close you you know you you saw more of jesse plemons and lakeith stanfield's uh relationship and their growing friendship than you did of hampton and right and stanfield yeah so. i mean wow now i'm like that'd be fucked up but i'm like I mean, I'm assuming Judas and the Black Messiah is referring to this guy and Fred Hampton. Is it supposed to be? I, yeah. I <laughs> no, don't think so. No. Um, your boy, Jesse Plemons, was good. Um, it's always good. Yeah. It's always good. Yeah. It's always good. It was very odd to see Martin Sheen in, you know, Jagger Hoover makeup. Right. That was a little freaky. <laughs> yeah, it was true. Um, yeah. Not a great 
movie. I'm surprised it's gotten so yeah. much buzz. I mean, I feel like I'm going to say some good things here. I think from Chaka King, who's kind of a new newish director, um, I thought it was beautifully shot, especially those early yes. scenes. Um, Absolutely. And, and great moments of um, just like small moments of dialogue and beats in it that I thought were great. Um, obviously, Lakeith Stanfield is a genius and just sort of watching him and directing him. Both of uh, the leads are, are great. Yeah. Yeah. They're just both very natural actors. One is, you know, Lakeith is, I think a little bit more, not charismatic because, uh, because they both are, but he's a little bit almost more showy. Right. Kalua is, he's much more of a quiet actor. I've said this every time I talk about him. He's just much more of a, I have inhabited this person. Right. And you don't see him doing the work as much as sometimes you see other people. And that's a compliment to him too. But sometimes I think his performances can get lost in yeah, I felt like that. Everybody here. else's. I think he felt a little lost, and I think that's mostly on the screenplay. So, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, when he when he had the big scenes, his you know the big scene when he gets out of prison and he's doing the "I am a revolutionary." He he owned that room. He totally. And that scene, and the scenes where it's just him and uh, and his girlfriend were also very touching and and engaging and two actors that were quite obviously working really, really well together and really liked that. Yeah. And it's interesting. I feel like the movie more than a lot of other Black Panther narratives I've seen sort of did try to show kind of the women sort of involved in a real way and not just in a, like we're holding the fort down for our daddies or whatever, like it, yeah, I did appreciate that about it. And the more we can tell those stories, the better, obviously. Yeah. I mean, and they are still running the, you know, Fred Hampton and, and I'm, I am so sorry. I can't remember her name and I will look it up and try and tweet it out, but, but they are both running, uh, uh, it's not Black Panther, but it, Black Panther is in the name organization in right. Chicago. And so good on them, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm still doing amazing and, stuff. Yeah. Yes. All right, should we talk about One Night in Miami? Yeah, we should talk about One Night in Re- Miami because Regina King's awesome and I love her. Uh, oh, my I'm God. I'm just going to say that because I need her to, like, hear it and then come be our friend because <laughs> I just love her. I love her voice. I love the way she is i love her acting and i even kind of like her directing uh i, I do think like her directing. i think both of us might have a little crush on regina king I think oh yeah i think so okay <laughs> anyway she directs this uh movie which is a fictionalized retelling of uh well one night in miami where <laughs> malcolm x and cassius clay right before he changed his name to my muhammad ali in fact the next day he did uh sam cook and jim brown two names that have e's on the end of them for no apparent reason uh, and- one of them is wrong at least uh oh, i thought go. i didn't think jim brown had a need, but i was no. gonna go, we'll go my fault there. i trust you um it's a play based it's based on a play by kemp powers and he also wrote this screenplay so what'd you think justin so I, I, I mean, there's, I don't want to frame this in the way cause it feels reductive and weird of like, Oh, it's a, uh, you know, compared to just the black Messiah, we obviously theme these two movies together because they are um, about black history, very important sort of undertold stories. Um, but I think what this movie, 
movie made me kind of think about Judas and the Black Messiah was the variety of um, stories about resistance and protest and sort of how um, how that intersects with uh, masculinity and how people can be sort of like soft sort of protesters and hard protesters, whatever that means. That's very loaded. But um, I think the movie really explored that in a fascinating way. And I think Regina King directing this for me was why this movie did that as well as it did was sort of like, I am directing this movie that is ultimately about these four men. Like there are barely any women in this movie. And yet she throws herself into understanding who these four men are like not necessarily like in real life but like in our pop culture imagination of them and kind of what their intersection uh might have produced as sort of as far as uh cultural change and i i just i found that fascinating and it made me just love her even more like she's the star of this movie because it's so it's it's beautifully filmed it is is. really tight it is based on a play but it's also doesn't feel kind of hemmed in or claustrophobic i didn't feel that at all and that's always my number one complaint about uh yeah i mean very early on i texted you and said was this a play yeah you can tell yeah yeah, yeah. Didn't, you're right, but I didn't feel yeah claustrophobic by it. But I could definitely tell the you could feel the entrances and the and the exits of the the characters and where the scene changes would be, That's and uh, it, and again, beautifully shot, incredibly well acted. I, I want to talk about Leslie Odom Jr.'s wig. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it upset me in in ways I don't want. To, that I don't want to investigate too hard. Uh, however, if you're going to have anybody try and be Sam Cook, he did a great, great job. Of I mean, singing that, Sam Cook. Oh, that last scene where oh. um, was mind-blowingly yeah. good, and that you're yes. like, oh, that's why they cast Leslie Jr. He's so good. Well, yeah, like, I mean, because especially Sam Cook, Patsy Cline. Yeah. Totally. The most beautiful velvet voices ever, and it's just impossible to to duplicate them. And I thought that Leslie Odom Jr. did a great job. I thought, and I need to look it up, the gentleman who played Malcolm X, I thought he was wonderful. So, and, yeah, that was, I've never, I mean, we've obviously seen uh, uh, Spike Lee, Malcolm X, and, you know, Eyes on the Prize and various things where we've seen real footage of Malcolm X. I think this is a tribute to King's direction and and maybe the play of like, well, definitely the play, but of sort of bringing out like, maybe he was kind of a, a nerd. Like we always think of, right? Of him as the militant and, you know, like you were saying and, before, and MLK is the sort of like soft nerd. And this movie really challenged all of that in a super interesting way. And I just, that was one of my favorites. Well, and it's the only time I've really seen him be like, be portrayed as, you know, just as a person, as a somewhat gentle person, as somebody with a sense of humor, you know what I mean? Right, Instead right. of, you know, they he talked about other things, but sides and of course he did he was a human being you know what i mean but he is put in such a small bubble in our history and in our popular remembrance of him and that's not unimportant what he did but this presenting him as a person was i thought so wonderful it made me feel like 
I don't know, attached to him in a way that I never had before. Right. Um, you know, that, that, oh, you were a person, you know, and, and not always angry and not always trying to make a point. And, you know, you had friends and you razzed them about drinking. And you showed up with vanilla ice cream. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Uh, His name is Kingsley Ben Adir. Yeah. He was great. I thought he was great. Yeah. And I always Uh, like Aldous Hodge. So, and Lance Reddick and good cast here. I loved the thing about the sports figures too, which as anybody who's listened to this podcast knows, we know less than nothing about sports unless it's hockey, in which case Fanny barely has you covered. Um, but it's like it it kind of got that sports are sort of the, um, you know, in the popular imagination, the fighters of black culture and really helped me understand that in a way it, in which, like, I don't know, like, I feel like often I'll sort of talk to uh, African-American people or black people and sort of feel a real allegiance to sports that I don't. Right. And, and I get it, that. And I think this movie really sort of gets it, why it maybe is sometimes more important for reasons that I might not understand. So I just, right. I, any movie that makes me think about all this stuff is like, there's a lot going on in this movie. I super liked it. Um, I don't yeah. want to see more Regina King. Yeah, no, I want Regina King to do, you know, everything, but I don't I don't want her to only be behind the screens because I really want to watch her act and be wonderful and that too. But uh yeah, I really I really really enjoyed this. Um I it, you know, it it didn't change my life, but it changed enough of, you know, of my way of thinking to about some historical figures that I think that's, I think that's super worth it. Um, And even if it wasn't transformative, it really made you do some thinking. And I liked that a lot. And, and it was interesting that it was just kind of this, it didn't have a big message that it was beating you over the head with. Um, And that was more of a message. Okay, should we move on to uh, We Did What You Saw There, our roundup of pop culture that uh, we enjoyed, and you probably did too, or you should, or not, and we'll tell you. And you already know what Puck did that she saw there, because she helped us out there. (laughs) She saw a whole bunch of strawberry yogis. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So this is a, I feel like this is a PSA you got to tell our listeners. Um, Yeah. Dogs? So, is this all dogs? Or all dogs well, love strawberry yogis? <laughs> I mean, all dogs like yogurt, and all dogs like sweet. Uh, they say, and if your rats eat little chips of strawberry yogurt, uh, don't let your dog eat an entire bag of them because it will be the uh, you know the shining of strawberry yogurt puke in your house uh, for about an hour, and <laughs> it's real, real gross and. She feels better now. Don't worry about her. I mean, Puck is and I'm so sure she cute would do it again. That I almost imagine Puck barfing um, strawberry yogurt is cute, but I'm like, it's, yeah, no, probably only for a minute, like a yeah, second. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, she looked so surprised and a little bit forlorn <laughs> about it that it was kind of cute, but the puke wasn't cute. All she right. was cute, and she had it on her little lip, and, and it just kept coming and coming as I was trying to clean it up. Parker's trying to get her on the linoleum, so at least it's not on the couch and look. 
Yeah. You guys have heard more about strawberry puke than you want to. <laughs> Do you want to know what I did that you saw there? Yeah, because they did not see Puck puke strawberry yogurt. No, you didn't. Chips, yeah. And I didn't take any pictures. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> what you got? Uh, first thing that I have is a little bit of rumored news that makes me excited. They say that Barry is uh, on HBO is filming season three, and the writers have announced that they have already finished seasons three and four. So bring me back some Barry. I need to. I need some NoHo Hank in my life. I am ready for this. And Justin, you need to watch the show. I will. I'm ready. I think. Okay. On Hulu, I watched this kind of cheesy documentary called uh, Only Fans Selling Sexy. Uh, okay. This, I'm going to uh, die. I'm yeah. dying over here. I'm just like falling down dead on the floor on my, thank God is carpeted. But what? It's like, tell me about yeah, it was a documentary. You know what Only Fans is, right? Yeah. yeah it's like porn. <laughs> it's like a porn. It's like amateur porn sites. Right. I think. And yeah, celebrities. Yeah. I don't know. I'm confused. Most like, Mostly reality uh films if they're showing boob they're reality people (laughs) if they're not showing boob they're you know cardi b not cardi b black china and maybe cardi b too yeah and uh bella thorne very famously but then they get a whole bunch of people to give them money and then they don't show any boob and then people quit um (laughs) was basically what i got out of this documentary it it wasn't as interesting as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be this exploration about, you know, what reality TV stars have become and, and have some big overarching commentary on life. It didn't, it was about reality stars who show boobs for nine ninety nine a month or not. And yeah. Continued to make me feel bad about humanity. <laughs> not, there's nothing wrong with pornography. There's nothing wrong with sex no. work. It's just, this reality TV in particular made me feel bad about uh, humanity. What's that uh, on in case people want to Hulu. Hulu. Okay. Yeah. I said, I said it. Hulu. Oh, sorry. I didn't see it in the notes. Okay. That's right. I didn't put it in the notes cause okay. you shouldn't watch it. You wouldn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> we got to help our viewers find maybe boobs or not boobs. Um. Yeah. 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 There wasn't a lot of boobs in the show. All right. Uh, it's a banana peel of boobs. Right. 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 <laughs> Uh, on these are my next two are both on Netflix. Uh, I don't. I know I talked about this book on this podcast, and I believe I finished it while we were up in Tahoe one time, and I ranted for about a month about how much I disliked it because its ending was like it had one of those like what the fuck endings that the whole world will be talking about, except that it didn't earn its what the fuck ending, and you never saw it coming, and it didn't set up any blocks for it. I. Guys, if you haven't fi- and finished Behind Her Eyes, I'm, I'm warning you now. One lucid dream, two walking down a hallway, three astral projections. Okay, I'm going to go into some spoilers here, and I know this is super buzzy. So really, really bail out if you don't want to know, because it will ruin the ending of this show uh, and or the book. This book and movie is supposed to seems like it's just going to be a psychological thriller about this girl who starts sleeping with her boss and is also friends with his wife at the same time. And there's going to be tension and maybe somebody will get murdered. 
here's what happens at the end. You find out that the wife is not the wife because she was in the loony bin and she met a heroin addict guy who was also in love with her. Well, actually in love with the relationship that she had with her husband. So she taught him how to astral project and he convinced her to try and switch bodies. And then when they switched bodies, he killed his body while inside her body and threw his body in a well so that he could be married to the husband. But the husband didn't want to be with him anymore because they'd killed somebody. And so he had to keep threatening the husband that he'd tell that the husband killed the guy. And so they were unhappy in their marriage. And then once he meets this new woman, then um, through all kinds of machinations, he gets her to go outside of her body and he inhabits the, the mistress's body and then kills the other body. And then he's with the husband and they get married and it's, and the, the little son, you can tell that he knows that that's not his mommy and, and she's going to kill him. I'm kind of in. You just sold them. No, do not be in. (laughs) Okay. Here's the thing. The show does it in a more fun, trashy way. They do put the building box in there better. The lead guy has a Scottish accent. So, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. And it's five hours and it's kind of fun and trashy. The movie gave you it had there was no hint that it was going any place supernatural or paranormal until like the last 20 pages it was completely (laughs) unearned um anyway so that is behind her eyes i watched it i liked it better than the book so that's saying something i also for some reason after that thought oh I'll watch the third season of Sinner, even though I didn't watch the first or second season, but they're all standalone season, you know, stories. They just have uh, Bill Pullman in in common as the as the detective. This one has Matt Bomer and uh, Chris Messina. I'm about halfway through it. It's not good, but I will watch the end of it because, again, trashy psychological psychological thr- uh, thrillers. Speaking of trashy psychological things, I watched the first episode of Alan V. Farrow. And I think this is where we start talking about things we both did, right, Justin? Yeah, you tell me first. All right. Uh, You know, I know a lot of this story or some of it from reading Ronan Farrow's work uh, in his exposés of Harvey Weinstein. Um, But this is sort of the deep dive and the long history of Woody Allen and his relationships with all of his children and uh, and Mia Farrow. And it's not fun to watch. And I don't know. I know that I will watch all of it, but I'm not sure why, because I'm not enjoying myself. Uh, Do you? So, okay. Are you done? Can I ask a question? Okay. Um, So there are they're basically like red passages from Alan's audiobook in this thing yeah. um, to sort of provide a counterpoint to Pharaoh, who's clearly kind of the sympathetic figure right. of this documentary and, and definitely running Pharaoh. Um, so what did you think of that? And is it, do you feel like it sort of is trying to both sides a little bit? Like, I don't, no, I don't feel like it's trying to both sides. I think that they picked the pieces that they had him read very strategically and that they're trying to make him look worse. They're trying okay. to make him, you know, they're they're picking pieces that 
A, show that he's creepy, but B, also show that he's just trying to justify things. I, I, think, I do not think they are both siding. I don't think they are trying to be in any way uh, balanced right. about this. Okay. Um, yeah, it's true. They don't interview anybody that's on his side of things. Right. Like even the right. Pharaoh family friends are like, yeah, right. it was creepy from the now, beginning. I got to admit, I don't think there are both sides to this. I I think his attachment to his daughter was creepy. Yeah. I believe what she says. I mean, I don't care how much he said. I didn't have anything to do with these children. The man married his wife's daughter. Okay. Yeah. Even if, if she didn't see him as a stepfather, even if, you know, which is bullshit. She did. He's known her since she was a little kid. He took naked pictures of her when she even, we will take the whole Dylan thing out of it for a minute. He took naked pictures of his stepdaughter and then he married her. I mean, and that's already like, uh, just like, oh, we're getting to that. We're not even near Sunni. Like, yeah. like it's yeah, it's it's upsetting. It's really yeah. upsetting. I couldn't watch it. That's my review of it. It's like, yeah, I made it three quarters of the way through, and it the way that it's sort of, and this is important, and I blame myself for not wanting to sort of sit through it. Is like the way that she felt. Um, loved by him and and a fatherly figure in a way sort of from him and also had no um yeah that's sort of this slowly creeping like realization at yeah. a young age of like i am scared of this man that is doting too much affection on me yep. um and and hearing um yeah I want people to watch it because I want him to stop getting book deals and movie deals. And I want him to just kind of go away in a corner and stop. But it is hard to watch. And I kind of know enough about the stories that I don't know why I'm watching it. Yeah. Uh, I I also didn't realize it was a series. I thought it was like like a four episodes. And I was like, oh, God, I can't can't watch this. Um, Yeah, no, there's going to be four episodes. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of things I don't know why I'm watching and that made me cry. uh, One last thing. CBS is doing its uh, follow up to Silence of the Lambs with Clarice. I I don't know why I do this to myself. I I watch stuff that has close that is close to things that I love. And then I get mad because they're not paying good tribute to the things I love. And then I can't stop watching them because they just make me mad. And then something touching happens and I cry. That's Clarice on CBS. Don't watch it. It's like if, you know, CBS made Silence of the Lambs, which they did now. So (laughs) they have the original, uh, What's her the the mom of the woman of the girl that get kids that gets kidnapped? She's the one returning member from uh, cast member from Silence of the Lambs, and yeah. Wait a minute, what's her name? Um, Blair. Catherine no. Martin is the oh, is okay. the woman who's kidnapped, but the okay. the her mother, the woman that you know that was like the, the ah. senator or the congressman or whatever. Um, the only returning. Okay, she's the only returning cast member. Also, I think it's not in your notes, but I also know you watched the end of The Stand, so I feel like you should give... Oh, I did. I did. Um, End of The Stand. Again, this is a pretty good adaptation, uh, or a pretty... Why can't I think of the word I want? Uh, Close adaptation uh, to the book. It's a better... uh, imagining than the 1990s uh, the stand spinny series uh, I, odessa young 
hats off. You did a great job as Franny. Um, I like this. I did. I mean, this is not earth shattering and stunning and it's not going to change anybody's life, but it, it was a good imagining of the stand. Alex Skarsgård washed away the wounds that Jamie Sheridan did to Randall Flagg. So thank you for that. There was a slightly different ending that I liked the, uh, that they, they went very into the Franny and uh, Stu story and changed a bit of the ending that I thought gave the two of them and their ending a little bit more depth. And I liked that. Uh, and they might've set themselves up so that they can tell some more of this story. I don't know if that's what they're doing. I don't know how I feel about that, but this is, it's worth your time. It's going to fall out of your head, but I am so attached to these characters that it was really fun to watch something else happen to them. And they at least took the trap. My least favorite uh, character and arc in the books is the trash can man story. And they, his, his story is very, very small. They condensed it to the point that it almost, you know, wasn't necessary except that his part is necessary for one of the ending things that happens. Uh, So yeah, I, I, I I can recommend watching it if you're a fan of horror, if you're a fan of The Stand, you know. It's I not watch it quickly while we still have CBS access before you. Can yeah, you have till March twenty third. You got All a right. month. Ooh. So All right. <laughs> if you're interested. All right. Um, should we move on to things I, we, we should. both saw? Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, the Muppet Show. It's back on Disney Plus. All episodes. I think all of them. Maybe a couple yes. of missing. Um, wow. What are you thinking of the Muppets back on TV? I am so happy to have the Muppets back on TV. I. The one problem I have is Disney Plus Plus gives you the option to skip the intro. Who does this? <laughs> Monsters. Monsters do this. Who? That is. That's the best part of the Muppet Show is getting to sing about Muppetational. <laughs> this is although, what we call the Muppet Show. Although, this as is... we realized the, and I didn't remember this, the intro changes a lot. Yes, yes. Um, it gets like, bigger and bigger. <laughs> well, it gets bigger and bigger, but then I think the sort of bridge is lost after the first season. There's a lot of stuff that happens. Like yes. it changes a lot. They all, they also knew that it was the best part of the show because yeah. they it grows. Yeah. So. It's back. I'm so happy. That's all I can really say about that. What have been your favorite uh, episodes or moments that you've seen so far? We've really only watched the first three episodes of the first season. And my favorite thing is that Rita Moreno is awesome. And I love you, Rita Moreno. I love it. (laughs) And dancing Um, with doing the tango with the big tall puppet that she's fighting with. uh, It was great. The big monster. I love that big (laughs) monster. So, Um, well, he's not even really a monster he's a frenchman because oh, he's, he's a that, right he's that guy right yes. i know what you're talking about he's not the big like shaggy no. monster he's a spelt monster yeah no he uh, has a she has a conversation with the big with a big monster but the, right. the dancing is uh with nice. with the big frenchman in a beret and having re- recently rewatched west side story <laughs> god i love you rita moreno so so we've been watching it kind of willy-nilly just jumping around of course dave wanted to jump Straight to Julie Andrews. Of course. Don't recommend that. Don't do that. Um, but I've been leapfrogging leapfrogging around and the <laughs> uh, <laughs> with, uh, what is that? Fozzie goes. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, first of all, Fozzie and Beaker still oh. the greatest characters of all Muppet land ever. Like they're the best characters. Fozzie is is really my like buddy. Like he shares a brain with me. I love Fozzie so much. Um, and uh, I so I watched some of the the later episodes. I watched the Christopher Reeve episode, which is really funny and wonderful. I, I had forgotten that basically the show continued after the movie like the movie was midstream so oh, they'd, yeah. they'd become really popular and the show had gotten really slick and smooth but it's like kind of funny to see them grapple like they get smoother as the show goes on but it's sort of less also crazy and 60s like it, it's fascinating um also the steve martin episode wow that is an earlier episode from i think season two it is banana pants i want you to watch it and report okay. back next week it is basically like him cracking up the actual crew and doing his oh, nice. Steve Martin shtick, which is kind of weird and terrible i'd sort of forgotten how strange oh. some of the early steve martin stand-up stuff is i mean it's not like offensive but it's just like really odd and, and so <laughs> you get the the cast members like the puppeteers cackling with glee um, oh as, as he does his spiel um, but then he goes into the deliverance like banjo kind of solo and it is like wildly entertaining and wonderful uh it's a weird show it the thing that's reminding me most of all is that the muppets was mostly about just good uh chaotic as is and D. it's like yeah. just so fucking chaotic and so funny and ultimately kind of kind-hearted i mean i wouldn't say yeah. it's necessarily kind of hearted but it's like a little like chaos can lead to freedom <laughs> like, um, totally i will forgot. say one last thing yes on the chaos do. note the swedish chef is chaos uh. and you're cheating if your closed captioning <laughs> says the real words absolutely i understand that you know that closed captioning is for our hearing impaired friends, and I respect that and make it happen. But you could write it the way the Swedish chef is saying it, and it's uh, it's take some of the joke out to have it be you know I put the chicken in the pot. <laughs> no, all, all we ever heard was chicky chicky bork bork. So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. It's a sin. Uh. This sure. is a new show on. Uh, well, it's not new. I think it's already been in the UK for a little bit, but it's on new yeah. to HBO Max. Uh, this is Russell T Davies uh, of Doctor Who and uh, Queers Folk, and uh, a couple of things we've talked about on this podcast, and most recently, um, Years and Years. Uh, this is a show about. Um, kids in the 80s in London kind of uh, discovering themselves and dealing with AIDS and dealing with homophobia. It has a lot of, to me, it has a lot of uh, uh, pose vibes. It feels a little bit like British pose. Um, what did you think of this show? How many have you seen so far? Two. Yeah, Most of the, se- uh, two and a half, maybe. I don't think yeah. I made it all the way through the second episode. Okay. Um, <sighs> I really love the relationship between the friends. Every time one of them says law to each other, it does my heart wet warm. I love the that too. <laughs> showing these friends is the 
is the strongest part of this show, I think, um, and their relationships with each other and that that kind of, again, chaotic time of your 20s when you're living in a hovel and trying to figure out how to you know, get a meal and never know that you're going to be a grown-up and have responsibilities. And uh, that's, it, it captures that very well. And yet you're also all still so in love with each other and being free that you're creating a family. And it captures that very, very well. Um, I... I don't know how to say this properly because it's a, it's not necessarily my place and B it's a hard thing to phrase, but a, I tire of things that are period pieces that have to go, you know, the eighties, right. And you and show all the things we've talked about that in the past, but also specifically around this time in queer stories, the we have to touch these certain bases about the AIDS crisis. And it becomes just the origin story of the plague. And it's hard to make it original. And I know there are people that still need to hear these stories, but this almost winkiness of, oh, well, the doctors wouldn't be telling us that if they knew. And I just... I have seen this story so many times and it become, it comes to the point where it's like, you're just wringing my emotions again. And I lived through the end of this. We, we both did. And I understand that this is not completely my story to tell, but this is my community as well. And I, I don't know how to fix it. And I understand that, this is something that needs to continue to be talked about, especially now in the midst of another plague. Um, but I get, I tire of the, we have to touch these bases in age stories. And right. that makes me feel like a callous asshole. No, but that's the should, truth. You yeah, know? Yeah. I, I, I wonder if some of that is, I don't, I mean, I'm saying this very, in my own sort of ignorance, like if the UK and, and sort of British television has not grappled with it in the same way right. that maybe, maybe American culture has pop culture has. Well, and that's does... kind of a, you know, that's, that's a, a plot point in one of the episodes. So right. maybe you're right. So. Yeah. It does feel a little like, Oh, this is like, it's sort of pedantic in that way of like a teaching moment of, right. but it's also like, it was fun, but it came with grief. And it's like, it, you can, here's my Russell T Davies thing. And this is what I said to you earlier. It is like, he is a little bit of the Ryan Murphy of Eglin to me. Like there's always a right. sort of like, I got to sell the, you know, the fun and the freedom of it with the sort of like hitting the notes of suffering and melodrama. Um, and that's maybe why the Pose sort of thing came up, although I think Pose does a much better job of a lot of this. Um, right. I, I like a lot of it. Um, I think the actors are great. Um, I think it's funny when you, when I first mentioned this to you and you were like, oh, I heard it's sort of not, um, like it's a very white cis kind of perspective right. on this. And and watching it at first, I was like, oh no, there's a black character. There's a black woman is the best friend, whatever. And then the more you start to watch it, you're like, nope, I see what people are talking about now. Like yeah. it's, 
It's it very... feels like it's saying, look, we're not just about the cis white because we have a black guy and the yeah. black best friend. Yeah. So. And, and I, I have to say the black best friend, I feel like is really, first of all, she's in years and years. I love that actor. I think she's fantastic. Um, but this character does her. It's, it is really like, wow, you are just like essentially the like black suffering sort of, um, yeah best friend slash uh, nurse slash, you know, yeah. like just taking care of all these people and you have no internal life. Like, who are you? Like, we don't understand anything about who she is or what yep. her desires are or what she wants. She's just sort of in service of these other characters. So yeah, the more I watched it, the more I had problems with that. Um, which also Neil Patrick Harris, I don't want to get hate mail, I think he's perfectly fine. He's great in the Tony thing, but I feel like this is a little bit of a to- uh, Neil Patrick Harris lane of like centering white male yeah. kind of gayness um, in a very like. I got you. Like we've already seen that. We get, we got that. We we know that story. So like, if you're in this to give a little star power, then maybe seed a little bit to uh, the people that are. Yeah, exactly. Don't make it about you. And oh my God, there's no reason you couldn't have just made him an American. I know. I know. Oh my God, that I knew accents were. Yeah, we got a lot of. (laughs) I think I texted you. I know. You did. I even knew we didn't have to play accent cop. I was like, oh, this is so bad. Oh my god, it hurt. It was so painful. Yeah. Uh, it was like a high school production of, you know, what's well, a circle of friends where they wanted you to have the, the Irish accent, you know, and it was like every you know, eighteen year olds, sixteen year olds trying to say, you know, oh, I'm doing my Irish. Jesus, Mariam Joseph. You know, it's just oh my god. Oh wow. Russell T Davies. I, I appreciate your big swings, but I also think maybe you're better suited to children's television. Is that terrible to say? I mean, this is television, but... No, children's yeah. television. Oh, children's. Okay. Right? I mean, I Got think you. he's he thinks in very sort of broad to the point of um, childish sort of strokes about sort of yeah. morality and, and sort of and myth making, which is the right. other nice way to think about it. But... Um, maybe this is not, I've never seen Queer as Folk. I'm not sure I want to. Like I've only seen British some one. of the American Queers. No, that's yeah. not true. I have, I've seen quite a bit of the British Queer as Folk now that I'm yeah. thinking about it. Uh, I don't remember it. I know I've seen it because I can picture, uh, Charlie Hunnam and Aidan Gillian having sex, but can't oh, yeah, tell you what I thought problems. of it past that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Should we talk about WandaVision? We should talk about WandaVision. Oh my god. So we are Are we going now, to go into spoilers for one division? We are going to spoilers. This is the one shit uh, show I think deserves a little spoiler warning. Yes. Uh we'll say one mysterious uh, aerospace engineer, uh two um uh surprising new theme songs, three <laughs> uh Catherine Hans. Uh what do you think of one division as we we have two more episodes to go, right? Yes. I love this show. I love this show. I love this show. And um, whereas I don't necessarily think that the uh, Modern Family Office format worked super well, uh, aside from the theme song, which was dead on. The theme song is always dead on. I still enjoyed the episode and the rest of the setup besides the 
it just didn't work for me. Neither one of those shows were really my favorite. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen's Julie Bowen was dead on. Thank you. That was great. Uh, also, I don't like Julie Bowen, so it kind of felt like she was making fun of her, and that made me feel good, too. Um, but this show continues to be delightful and so much fun and aware that it's playing with you it is not telling you you're dumb it's not saying oh if you haven't figured this out there's something wrong with you and you're doing it wrong it's saying there's something here anywhere you look there's something for you and you can try and make it something else and if you're wrong that's okay it's fun because we've thrown everything at you so that it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong and we're having just as much fun as you are paul bettany and kat dennings are having just as much fun as I am watching this show. And I find it to be delightful. It's rewatchable. I I am going to be so sad when this show is over. <laughs> what do you think, Justin? I love this show too. I did not love, I think, the last maybe two episodes, but especially the last episode is quite as much as you did. I feel like, I think I was talking to you about this. It feels a little like... <sighs> It's serving two masters, which is always the Marvel problem of like, you know, everybody knew this was that. Sorry, spoilers. We already talked about this. Agatha Harkness. Um, and I've read too much to kind of suspect that, although I probably would never have guessed that unless I had read about it. Um, but I'm I'm kind of in between of like reading just enough, but not knowing enough that I sometimes feel a little like, Oh, how would this land on somebody who knows nothing about this? Um, I, I would say that you know nothing about this, except you know you you research a little. You kind of know what's going on too, um, a little bit. But that's also I don't maybe know, part like, of fun, right? I don't know what that means. Like I I've read some about Agatha Harkness, and I know just a tad about her, right. and so I don't know what it means. But I right. know that I've gone down the deep dive. You know, um, yeah. I do know uh, that here's something that Parker found out and told me apparently she's in the x-men world and that's why she brought back that pietro oh I because didn't since that. she brought the, the them back she brought back the x-men quicksilver hmm. okay. um, i don't know if she's been like talked about in one of the movies or something but she is uh, in in the movies the fox she's a, Marvel. yeah yeah, yeah. sort of the foxy x-men world yeah. yeah. So I thought that was very smart when I heard it, but yeah, I, I but do, I would have never known it. There's a funny, there's definitely a feeling with it where it's like a little bit of losty, like conspiracy theory. I, I tweeted the other day, like, oh, we should reprogram or deprogram rather QAnon people by having them come up with new uh, right Mondavision <laughs> theories. Um, it is, it's a little like, oh, it's indulging that conspiracy theory thing, which I think is. And this is me future tripping because that's what I do. Getting ahead of like disappointment for those people because things don't play out exactly the way they want. And then also leaving maybe newbies cold. And like then I'm in the middle. Like I I, I feel like I'm probably going to be dissatisfied with however this ends. But I also kind of know that's on me. (laughs) And um, I do think... It's commitment, and especially Elizabeth Olsen's like performance, uh, mm. is a commitment to grief and denial yes. in a way yep. that uh, I I think I said this last time. Like we have not seen this in any Marvel movies, um, and and the format of this show being like this is a nine episode kind of ha- like half hour or however long like 
exploration of a single story is like the thing that I love about comics. So I'm still rooting for it. I think I need to recalibrate my expectations a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's brilliant. I'm so happy with it. I'm going to be so sad when I have to watch Marvel bang, bang, shoot them up, (laughs) kicky, punchy Uh, lasers instead of let's do something interesting and new and let's really, you know, oh my God, please, Kevin Feige, learn from this. Learn how much people are loving it and and do more of this. And it doesn't have to just tie into your next movie. Just do more of this. And Please, I think because it's so good. That's a little bit of what I think it's like weighing on the the fan base right now of like, oh, what um how does this tie into everything? What's Spider-Man gonna be like? What's Doctor Strange? And it's like, no, the the good parts of this show are really removed from that. And I yeah. wish they didn't have to serve two masters in that way, I guess. But, yeah. Um, well, maybe then he'll see. We can just yeah. do some offshoot shows that don't that we can just play with, like they have right. offshoot books. You know, right. do that, play with that, put these characters in weird. You know, take the weird offshoot books and just make them that they don't have to tie in. Make it, you know, Marvel Cinematic TV or whatever. You know, and just totally. tell these stories because it's yeah. so fun. And I love the moments of you know Tiana Parrish when you when she does the three point stance and you know, okay, she's a superhero now. You know, right. and it's telegraphing things very smartly and fun in that marvel way too right not trying to take anything away from the movies but i want this is so my lane (laughs) and i want to see more of this it 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 thrills me in the way that lovecraft country thrilled me Uh, you're trying this weird wonderful thing that's saying very deep things with science fiction and with paranormal and those two things can marry and it can be brilliant. And I, I, I hope that this shows Figi that he can play with this because totally I want more of it. Totally. The line that's landed the best with me so far out of the entire series was like, don't, don't let her, don't let them make you the bad guy, Wanda. And yeah, that was said, so good. And she said, but like, what if I am or something along yeah. those lines? And it's like, yeah, that is better writing than yeah. anything we've had in any Marvel movie so far. Yeah, like in she our, specifically whatever. said villain, which was a very which was yeah. a, which was a wonderful because the villains in the Marvel universe are so important, you know, are so you know right. villains and heroes, and so to have her say that was so good. Yeah, and I really touching liked that a lot. and yeah. There's a lot I like about this. Um, It's a good segue. In my pop culture this week, I've been reading a shit ton of uh, Marvel Unlimited to try and solve all these uh, mysteries. I'm fully, uh, you know, QAnoning Marvel here, apparently. Um, So I've been watching, um, uh, watching, reading um, Vision, the 2015 series, uh, Scarlet Witch, the 2014 series, uh, Vision Quest, uh, which was back in the West Coast Avengers, and now I'm actually on to Vision and the Scarlet Witch, which, by the way, why isn't that Scarlet Witch and Vision? I don't I mean, it tells you right there. Um, there's a lot of garbagey comics about all of this. I don't love all of it. Um, I think they're adapting a ton of comics, so it's a great little way to sort of get clues into all of this. I will say the Vision uh 2015 comic and the scarlet witch 2014 comic are actually really they don't tell you a lot about what's going to happen in this show but they're really 
committed to those characters and their grief in the same way that I think this show is drawing from. So I'd recommend those. They're dark as fuck, which is the other thing I like about the show. So it's like a real uh, darkness to it that I think is captured in this comics. Uh, West Coast Avengers, skip anything like that. It's terrible. Um, I also watched um, I Care A Lot. Do you know about this movie? No. Uh, you're going to have to watch this movie and we're going to have to talk about it like later. Uh, this is, um, it's on Netflix. It's Jonathan Blakeson, who I don't know who that is. Um, but it's a true story New Yorker article that's been adapted into a movie starring Rosamund Pike, Peter Dinklage, um, a bunch of people that you'll recognize that I would never recognize. Um, it is Rosamund Pike plays basically this real life supervillain who is basically um, taking over people who are dying or sick, or not even sick, old and alone, and basically just going in and kind of taking over their finances and committing them to a uh, retirement home that she also owns a stake in. She's like a soulless monster, and she kidnaps Diane Weist. There's the other person I'm forgetting. Who Alicia Witt is in this, Chris uh, Messina. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have thoughts about this movie. Um, it is, I don't know. I almost want to table it and talk okay. about it. Cause I think you'll enjoy to watch, like you'll enjoy watching it and have some thoughts. Um, it's interesting. And yet also we'll talk, uh, but okay. it's, a, it's a crazy enough story that I thought it was totally made up. And then I did research and I was like, wow, this is a real thing that happened. Um, so nice. the world is madness and it made me appreciate it. Also, Rosamund Pike is fucking great in it. I don't know. She's her. always good. She really uh, likes to play this type of character, uh, but she's always good. She is mom. This is like a super villain. This is, is like wild. Gone Girl on Crack. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't see Gone Girl ever, which I probably should, but um she's so good what? at it. I know. Um I mean, I, whatever. It's not great, but yeah. Everybody saw that. I know. I didn't. Um, I also watched Shadow in the Cloud. This is on video on demand. This is uh Chloe Grace Moritz um battling uh you know gremlins and uh World War II uh Japanese fighter planes. Uh this movie is I think as I said on Twitter, it's dumb as rocks, and I loved every minute of it. Um, of course you did. It is so stupid. I mean, it starts off very interesting. It's like she's locked down in the little, uh, you know, what do they call the gun things in the bottom of planes? Uh, turret? It's not a turret. The turret. Yeah, the gun okay. turret. So she's like down there. Nobody takes her seriously because she's a woman, even though she has credentials. Although she's clearly like hiding a secret. And um, she starts to see like enemy planes and then also a it's not really spoilers there's like a monster in the clouds that's uh uh attacking her and the plane and the first half of it is just her down in the turret talking to a bunch of crazy awful sexist pigs who don't believe in anything um that she's saying and are also being horribly offensive and she's just sort of like trying to deal with it. And I was like, wow, this feels like a fucking crazy good, like, you know, film noir play or something. Then of course she, the action kicks in and she's soon enough, like, sorry, spoilers crawling underneath the plane, like 
while it's flying like on the bottom of the plane and she becomes a superhero and it's really fucking stupid and the uh monster is so stupid and so not scary um but i kind of enjoyed it i don't know i would say if you're looking for a really stupid like fun this if we had seen this in the theaters we might have been like two drinks in and been like this is kind of good <laughs> it's really stupid though. um what else? I'm going to move on. Greenland. I saw that on video on demand. Also, this is, uh, what's his fucking bucket? Uh, what's that guy's know. name? Uh, he's like the guy that used to be sort of a big deal. That's not a big deal anymore. Uh, Greenland. I'm looking it up. I'm Googling it. His name is, uh, Gerard Butler. It's Gerard Butler being oh basic- yeah it was a big deal for a second yeah being a concerned family man who is uh basically trying to save his family from an impending impending asteroid strike um so there's a lot of prolonged like pre-asteroid strikes and like the big one's coming now um it is really again really stupid and kind of entertaining. I didn't hate it. Yeah. Um, of course I, you didn't. I think I'm in just total like end of quarantine. I mean, if we're lucky, but I'm just in like, give me all the, like mainline the crap into my veins. It feels like the real world. Um, I don't know. This is kind of a How? <laughs> that was a little dark too. <laughs> um, moving on. Modest Heroes. This is a Netflix movie. Um, it's an animated anthology kind of anime movie about people that have powers of some sort. The only reason I checked this out was because I saw a little short clip of one of the segments online that was amazing. Um this clip is, it's worth watching this. It is a guy that is sort of like, if a superhero became invisible, he'd also become weightless. And it's just like this kind of everyday guy who is basically trying to do good and sort of also survive, but he's floating off the earth and trying to hang on to things as he does um, and, and putting himself in danger. It is sort of profound and Buster Keaton-y and kind of like if superheroes are real, this is what it would look like. Um, I, I'd say it's worth watching if only for that segment. The rest of the other two segments are totally forgettable. Modest Heroes on Netflix uh, for anime superhero fans. Um, and I have a little bit of good news. Okay, I like good news. Infinity Train Season 4! I'm so excited. Um, I'm glad you're excited. We're getting book four. Uh, This is a show that I love. um, And I, even though I didn't love the third season quite as much, I think there's, he clearly has one more story to tell. It ended in a way that it's like, you got to wrap this up. Um, (laughs) It is a really delightful, fun show. Has the Moon Palace crew watched this at all? I don't know. Uh, suggested to them. I want to know what they think. All of the, you know, all of the animation stuff runs together. I don't know who's watched what. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, <laughs> all right, we talked along. Where can they tell us about all the stuff we've seen? We talked a long time. Somebody must have some opinions about things. Yeah, even if it's you guys talk too much, shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> you can do that at Facebook. Just search for the next podcast because since nobody talks to us, we don't have our own link yet. But if you talk to us more, we would have our own link. So do that. Uh, you can send us an email, and that's at emotion to Nick. Ooh, emotion to Nick's at gmail.com. And on Twitter, which is probably the easiest place to find us and where we are the most, we are at the Nick's podcast. On Twitter, I am at Fanny V. Darling. And I'm at Justin Hurtung. 